Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Okay, have you ever been to a sex party? I have. Okay. <laughs> have you ever been to one with like 300 people? More like a thousand people. Oh my God. <laughs> when we think about things, what we like as women, women, men, yeah. whoever, oftentimes we have to try them to see if we like them mm-hmm. or not. Okay, I'll try this. Let's see if I like it. I really like it. I don't like it so much. Being open and not being attached to whatever outcome. It took me having to be in a committed monogamous relationship to feel this level of sexual liberation. This is a Soul Fire production. Thank you, Maria Luisa, one of my best girlfriends in LA. Also, Aquarius, Sun Leo rising, sister from Italia. From Italia. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us on Open Late. We have a lot to get into today. And I'm just going to give you the reins because the premise of this show is I'm the one who's on the hot seat. Yeah. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> These are new. They're fancy. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they are very fancy. Okay. Yes. Well, thank you for giving me the reins and thank you so much for having me here. Um, I feel very honored as Jess said that I'm very, very close to her, but I also, uh, work in the space as well of like all the kind of spiritual holistic stuff that we do. And so I just feel very connected to you on so many levels. So I just feel very honored and privileged to be here. So thank you for having me. Yes, I'm so excited. Me too. I think that you're going to have such an amazing perspective too before you dive into your questions because you are a coach for women in confidence. And I think a lot of that lends to sexuality and women owning their sexuality and being in charge of their desires. So... I agree. I agree. There's, I work with a lot of clients on sexual confidence and I think it's something that's very paramount um, because, you know, patriarchal society oppression means that we can't really, we haven't been able to speak freely sexually without being considered a whole. So, um, (laughs) for lack of a better word, yeah, for lack of a better one and being villainized for that and being able to speak about it, frankly, and in a way that feels safe for us. So, Mm -hmm. um, I'm really excited to be talking about all things juicy and sexy with you. Yes. And here we are taking ownership of that and doing it on this podcast, which I love. Next time we'll do it naked. Okay. I'm in. But for this this time we're (laughs) fully clothed, (laughs) which is also funny because I was actually, that's another weird thing as people can probably tell I'm not American. And it is very strange to see the difference between sex, sexuality, women's sex, women's sexuality between the US and Europe, because I do think there's kind of, Women here are, I, I feel quite often, women everywhere are sexualized, but here it's like very interesting because it's like they're either sexualized or they're considered a prude. And like the way they're sexualized is like ways in which are acceptable or palatable for men, for the male right. gaze. Mm-hmm. But instead, like, I feel like in Europe, definitely back home in continental Europe anyway, it's a lot more about like, oh, like I like to have sex and like, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Obviously, this is painting it with a huge brush because I'm I'm Italian and mm-hmm. in Italian culture, it's very kind of like, it's still very, no, like you, you know, don't, don't sleep around and whatever. It's still very Catholic. But just in general, there's kind of more of a sexual ownership, I feel, yes. in some ways. 
For women. For women. I would agree. In my experience, I did live in Italy for a period of time when I was in college. And, you know, tons of nude beaches. And it's just the body there is not shamed and sexualized the way I think it is here. And we still have a long way to go, you know, even in Europe. However, I think that there's a stark difference between the conservative nature of the U.S. culture and women's bodies and in places like Italy and you were raised in the UK, right? So oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just different. There's different, it's it's weird. Like the villainized, sexualized, victimized, whatever, but it it it's it works differently. And so it's been funny here navigating. Like my biggest thing is topless sunbathing. Like for me, it's so normal. Yeah. And then here it's like, what are you doing? Free the nip. Free the nip. It's 2021. Yes. <laughs> okay, right. <laughs> <Seriously>. <laughs> before, before I made this all about a feminist manifesto, which I tend to do. I was that's why I invited you on. I was really hoping that we would kick off the whole episode like this and then do like another 10 minutes of man bashing. But okay, no, I'm just well, kidding. We, we can do that. <laughs> we, we can do that. Um okay, brilliant. So um yeah, I'd love to dive right in. So okay. I know the last time that you the open late was live, you spoke about um, the accidental threesome. The accidental threesome. Mm -hmm. (sighs) What a beautiful story. (laughs) And so I think from there, probably I am, and I'm sure lots of people are wondering like, well, where do you kind of go from there? Like Mm -hmm. what happens next after this like beautiful, uh, uh, accidental, on accident, whatever threesome that happened? It's it's so crazy to think about because at this point it was seven years ago, I think, or even a little bit long. It was actually before we were married. And I just realized that the other day because my timeline, my my memory isn't the best. And I was like, did the, I knew the threesome was on New Year's Eve. And I'm like, was it the New Year's Eve the year before we got married or the year right after? Because we were married in July. And I realized we weren't even married yet. So I'm thinking that this openness started and this, you know, accidental threesome, like after we had this marriage certificate, like a solidified bond. And it wasn't. So you have this threesome. And now I'm thinking like, what if we just tried to put the snake like back in the box and it never happened again? I had that thought the other day too. Could you imagine just like having a one-off and then never experiencing that again? I can't imagine my life that way. Um, I can't imagine your life that way. (laughs) No, (laughs) It's bananas to just think about the trajectory of that and maybe thinking back on that one experience that I would then probably replay or long for, or maybe tuck it away in a box and was like, oh, that was my younger days. Um, But no, it was the catalyst for the most beautiful relationship ever. And it wasn't like we opened up right away. It was, I think for the first maybe even year. Okay. So this is actually helping me with my timeline. So thank you. So we have the accidental threesome on New Year's. And then for that entire year up until Burning Man, which is Labor Day weekend every year, we had experiences with that same woman. And just, noth- that, just, just that one. That, just mm-hmm. that one woman. Yeah. And nothing else. And she was a good friend of mine, as I talked about um, in the last episode. And you know, we were just kind of navigating all of this, like, what does this mean? And like I mentioned before, I think at that point in my life, everything felt so important. Like, oh, it has to mean something. What does it mean? What is the label? Um, And I think through a lot of like letting go of like, it doesn't have to mean anything. I was able to really explore just 
in that container with with Pasha and with her. Um, and it was really beautiful. But we were, I guess at that point, like monogamish. You know, it mm-hmm. wasn't like we weren't open. We weren't dating other people. We weren't even really seeking out other experiences, but we had started to talk about what we wanted to do and what was exciting and kind of like what was next. If that makes sense. Yeah, that so, makes sense. How yeah. were those conversations, those initial conversations of talking about that, of what's next? It was like, it was kind of like real life erotic pornography mm-hmm. conversations mm-hmm. with each other. Because, which it's funny because I'm, I'm secretly such a prude sometimes, <laughs> like, which is so weird. But for me, I think it was just even vocalizing out loud what I liked and what I wanted was so new. I didn't have that with a previous partner ever. And so it was really fun. And there was so much newness even in that for me to be like, oh, okay, well, you know, you're asking me what I want. So now I have to even think about what I want and sort of letting my sexuality in that way blossom and for women as well as, you know, men. And it sort of took us on a journey of like likes and dislikes. And that's sort of one of the things that I learned was like, it's okay to like something and then try it, you know, which we got to later in our relationship and then pull back. Like, okay, we talked about it and then we went and did it. And then if we didn't like it, not a big deal. That's so nice. That's oh, so much of what you're saying that just needs to be unpacked. Like going back to the likes and the dislikes, I think often as women, we're not really, that's not really put at the forefront, right? What's put at the forefront is what the man likes. Yeah. So I, I should say this, as women in a heteronormative couple, mm-hmm. like as, yes. as women who are, you know, going to like heterosexual couples or whatever, let's say in that, in that, in that perspective, women very often, and it's not, we're not taught to think and explore mm-hmm. our sexuality and what do we like? How do we feel like, you know, there's the erotic blueprint quiz. We're not told to do that and f- understand like what, what, what turns yeah. us on or whatever. It's more like, okay, well, what does the man like? Okay, well, we'll please the man mm-hmm. and, and kind of go from there. Yeah, and there's... I think it's so empowering to, 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 and it's, but it's crazy how it can take so long. It can take mm-hmm. a lifetime. Some women don't do it in their whole lifetime of like, oh, hang on. Well, what do I actually like? Yeah. Like not thinking about pleasing the man. What do I like? It's, it's interesting because you're having me think about this now. Like, I'm so grateful that Pasha is such an incredible partner. Obviously, it was born out of, this is so cool. My wife really liked having threesome with another woman because, of course, you know, him being the type of man that he is and his likes and desires, he's like, jackpot, this is beautiful. So he was so, I think, curious, but in such a supportive way of like edging me on to mm-hmm. discover the things that I liked. And when the idea of, because it also never even crossed my mind to like have a threesome with another guy. And he was like the first person who asked me or else I probably never would have let myself go there. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe over time with him because there was so much safety created and just, I think just knowing that I had complete acceptance no matter what, but he was like, what about this? What about this? what about this? <laughs> you know, and not in a, in a, in a way that was like daunting or pushy, but he really did encourage me to consider things that I never considered before, which was amazing. And then start trying them. That's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I love the idea of, like you said, trying something that not like, it's like food. 
that's the other thing about when we think about things, what we like as women, oftentimes we have to try them. Women, men, yeah. whoever, oftentimes we have to try them to see if we like them mm-hmm. or not. But going into it as in like, okay, I'll try this. Let's see if I like it. Mm-hmm. I do. I really like it. I don't like it so much. Being open and not being attached to whatever outcome yes. comes from that. Yeah. It's it's really crazy to think that in it took me having to be in a committed monogamous relationship or marriage then to feel this level of sexual liberation. Monogamish. 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 Yeah. Which, if you're listening, means that you're monogamous, at least by my, I have never looked up this definition, but um, you are monogamous with your partner. And then maybe sometimes you blur those lines like with each other, but it's maybe case by case. Only with each other. Only with each other. And then if it's, if you're experiencing things with other people and engaging with other people separately, then that would lead into being open. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. At least by my terms. That's so beautiful though. I will say that even though you had to be through, through that lens, like Mm -hmm. obviously there's one way to look at it as in like, oh, wow, that's like, you know, that's how messed up our society is that, you know, we need to feel safe with a man in order for us to explore something or feel sexually liberated. But at the same time, thinking about it in terms of like masculine, feminine energy, it's, it's like Pasha almost represents something energetic rather than Mm -hmm. like a, like, you know, cisgendered heterosexual man. Instead, he can represent to you safety and structure. Yes. For you, for you to embody your feminine and go and flow Mm. and discovery. Wow. I love the way you put that. I never even considered it like that. And also it's interesting because you just made me consider, I likely was in my masculine so much when I was single, because I think that I was very much on the defense and also very much wanting to have this tough exterior that I also think how I was raised as a woman with my sexuality, A, being protective of it, and then B, also not wanting to, you know, be a bad girl or anything like that. So having so many walls around like the soft edges or talking about my desires or being open about the things that I wanted to do, which are all, I think, very feminine qualities. So I was probably in my masculine all the time. So when I have this you know, amazing, strong masculine come into my life. It allowed me to be so feminine in so many other ways, which I've like acknowledged before, but I never really thought about it like that. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, yeah, I think that's the, that's the thing though, you touching on that about being single and being in your masculine. I think a lot of women are because mm-hmm. it's almost, you know, our society is, is created to uh, favor the masculine, right? Mm-hmm. It's always it's always kind of favorable to do rather than be. It's favorable to plan rather than be in flow, you mm-hmm. know, because that's how capitalism yeah. and and kind of oppressive systems work. It's like, keep going, keep yeah. working. And so I think it, because of the society we live in, that makes sense. But then also, like you said, it's like, it, it, we do feel like kind of protective of ourselves and like, and because of the, like, you know, the quite extreme oppression that the women go through, it kind of makes it normal for us to have a tough exterior yes. and to be a bit more, you know, protective. Absolutely. I mean, and our safety is paramount. A lot more, you know, in danger Compromised. to consider. Yeah. Yeah, it is, but yeah. it actually is. So it makes sense that we're going to be much more in our masculine like that until some sort of energetic masculine comes in 
whether that be like, and again, yeah. I just want to reiterate for everyone, that doesn't mean it's a man or a woman. Mm-hmm. I'm just some sort of energetic yes. masculine masculinity comes into our vicinity. We can then kind mm. of go and flow more. Thank you, Pasha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really sweet. Yeah. Hmm. That's why I'm looking at it. He's going to love hearing this. Oh, good. Um, cool. So getting a bit logistical with stuff, mm-hmm. move, moving into the, back into the masculine a little bit. Okay. Um, I would love to know as well. Okay. So you had those discussions. You kind of were figuring out what do I like? Mm-hmm. What do I not like? You know, kind of going out and, and I'd say in discovery. Yes. So how did you discover? Like, what did you, did you use? apps did yes. you use friends did yes. you use like how what what was oh what God. was your discovery process like this. so trip down memory lane um <laughs> have you ever heard of field i have i had it for 24 hours i deleted it <laughs> really you yeah. deleted it's intense it's just, it's, it's intense yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so no there are there are some great apps i actually don't spend a ton of time on them it's been a while i go in waves Um, But back then there was, okay, so this is really interesting. I was always very, very resistant to the term swinger. So when I started to realize that my relationship was monogamish and that we, you know, were having experiences with women a lot and then here and there with men, and then there was couples, I was like, oh my God. (laughs) I couldn't even like, I was like, no. And then I found this because it's not actually, it's not like we're not swapping. That was never really our thing. Like, but what's the resistance? We've done it. I just don't like that word. Why? What? It's just like, I don't know. I think of some like 70s. I was going to say. (laughs) Sorry to anyone who was like in that era and absolutely fucking fabulous. I'm sure you were just not my thing. I don't know. And then I found Lifestyle Lounge. And then there was another one called Cassidy and their another social networks. Oh, okay. They're like Facebooks for people who mm. want to be open or explore or looking for a third or, you know, orgies, whatever you can find it on there. And they throw events and parties and it's just a way for people to connect. So you have your own profile. And this is like, you know, six, six, five, six years ago at this point. And we like signed up for Cassidy. And I remember like we would, you know, one of us would check it and like see the messages. And it was so crazy because at this point too, I'm completely in the closet about this to everyone. I don't even think my best friend, Nicole knew for a while. And, you know, it was just the, the kind of interesting thing about all that was it was like this little secret that we had you know, for a really long time. Pasha and I got married. He surprised me with a wedding actually. And no one knew that we were getting, even I didn't know until he, we were, yeah, it's a, that's a whole other, that's not a whole other story. <laughs> he proposed and we got married like 30 minutes later. Mm-hmm. He had a whole wedding set up in Joshua Tree. He surprised me. Yeah. So, I, and then we didn't tell anyone that we were married for a little bit because <laughs> I forgot that you didn't know this. No, I um, because he actually, <laughs> tangent. He didn't ask my dad at first. I know, right? Bad move, bro. Bad move. Um, 
he, there is a, there's kind of a reason behind it. My family was going through a death. We had just lost my aunt and Pasha didn't feel like the right in because they live on the East coast and we went to visit. And he told me, he's like, I tried, but it was like weird timing. Also caveat, not everyone needs to ask everyone's dads. Just want to say that is a, that is a big patriarchal move, but as an Italian. True, but yeah, when you come from an Italian family, yeah. especially on the East coast. Oh, so it was really cute because then we, we actually, when we got married, I think we went to Philly like three weeks later for something that was already planned and we were married. And he asked my dad <laughs> to marry me. <laughs> my dad said yes. And then we came home and he loped, which was adorable because when my dad drove us to the airport, he hugged me, whispered in my ear and told me how happy he was that Pasha asked me to marry him. So my dad would have ruined the surprise. Oh also adorable. God. Anyway. Back to what we were talking about. I love secrets. And especially in the beginning of a relationship, like I knew Pasha was the love of my life, like hands down. And just to have this sort of thing that we were doing where we would like once or twice a week get on the computer and like check our profile on Cassidy. I just felt like it was that little month where we were married and no one knew like all over again. Isn't your moon in Scorpio? Yes. Makes sense. Yeah. I love secrets. It makes me feel, I don't know, special. So we, we were on there. Nothing really came of it. Like we'd never met up with anybody in, in a lot of ways. The cool thing about that was seeing how many other people out there in the world are like this, because I also was like, oh, this is so taboo and wrong because I was still unpacking so much of my patriarchal voices in my head and so much sexual shame. I never wanted anybody to find out. In my mind, I was like, this is going to be like this little blip on the radar in like our early years. And like, we'll probably never do this again. And we'll have kids and it'll be completely, you know, whatever. If you would have told me back then that we'd be completely open, I would have laughed at you. But at the time it was like, you know, kind of cool because it was our own little secret. And then, and then we got on field which came out, I don't know, five, five years ago. Thank you, Field. You still have a lot of bugs, but I think it is a great app. It's sort of just like a Tinder um, for everybody who's listening or like a hinge, you know, for people who are open or who are single and looking for, um, you know, an alternative type of relationship. Um, Many people on there are like ethically non-monogamous, which also, you know, is... um, when you are not, (laughs) when you are in a relationship and you're not monogamous and also you tell everyone up front and you're doing it from a place of even the new partners that you're going to have or sexual experiences are all in the know about your relationship status. Okay. Okay. That's an important distinction, right? Not just that you, you and your partner know, but that everyone you get in a partnership, sexual, casual, whatever knows as well. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so now something I think that just needs to be asked. Yes. Is can you give can you give us a juicy story? Oh. As much as you feel comfortable with, but like a ju- maybe from yes. an app, maybe from field, but something funny that happened yes. or something interesting, something yes. with a, a pivotal point. I just want I think it's time for story. Okay. So, we did go to one party that we found on Cassidy. Mm-hmm. And ha- Okay. Have you ever been to a sex party? I have. Okay. <laughs> so have you ever been to one with like 300 people? 
So that's the only type of sex party I've been to. <gasps> oh. I've, the only sex party I've been to, I haven't been to like a private one. Mm-hmm. I've been to, I don't know if it's considered a sex party. It's called, it's considered a fetish BDSM party. It's called Torture Gardens. It's in oh. London. Um, and cool. it's, it's crazy because some of the floors are like, well, most of it is just like a normal club, except mm-hmm. everyone's in BDSM. Where in fact, they even say you're not allowed in. Mm. If you're wearing something that would get you into a normal club, oh. you have to be in fetish gear. Ooh. Yeah. And then it's amazing. They're coming actually to Los Angeles. I'm going to give you the day. <gasps> um, We're going. Yes. We're all going. Yeah. Everyone. <laughs> um, but it's amazing. So some of it is, is like a club. Also caveat, really cool part of it is that it's the most consensual place I've ever been to. Mm. Usually when I go to a club, a guy will grab me or just like talk to me too long or just like yeah. will be like very like sticky or whatever. Here, literally the guys will come up and be like, hey, can I dance with you? Mm-hmm. Guys and girls, whatever. It's very LGBT friendly as well. It's amazing. But they're like, hey, can I dance with you? It's very consensual. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they have like a corridor where you can get like tied up and whipped and stuff like that. It's very BDSM. Yeah. So it's like, you know, they have a whole corridor where like that stuff happens. And then they also have the orgy sex room as well. Yes. So, but even in the parts which are just clubbing, like in the corner, they'll be like, uh, you know, two very handsome gentlemen like giving each other head or yeah. like there will be, you know, another little like Just fun thing going. happening. Yeah. So yes. that's, that's the, that it's like a club that's like also a sex party mm-hmm. that's BDSM. And it's really, really cool. Um, so that's the only, so when you're like, I've been to one, 300 people, I'm like, <laughs> more like a thousand people. Oh my God. And that's the only type of one I've ever been to. And this I haven't is been in to London. One. Yeah. They're in London. They come to New York fair, fairly frequently. Mm. They hardly ever come to LA. I think it's once every two years. But it's very, like, London is very, like, BDSM fetish, mm-hmm. as is New York. I think most yeah. fi- finance places are very in that realm. So, um, and so, like, obviously very poly as well and, yes. and into that stuff. But yeah, sorry. Mm-hmm. As you were. I'm excited. Okay. <laughs> so I I had a couple flash through my mind, but I think this one is super appropriate because it was in Italia. Was it? Yes. Yes. So, okay. Oh, tell me all. I know. <laughs> Um, okay. Sorry, mom. Um, (laughs) so we went to, um, Italy for my 30th birthday, actually. And we, we spent the first part of the trip, um, in France with Pasha's mom. And then we went to Italy, went to Rome and then Venice. And so there is a huge club outside of Venice, which I had no idea And when we knew we were going to travel, we were like, I wonder if there's any cool parties that we could check out. And because we had been to one party so far in the States and it was fun, but we were like wanted to dip our toe into something else. It was a smaller party. So we find out that there's this huge party in Venice and we have to drive like, I think 40 minutes, you know, it's like outside the city. Also remember, I'm such a baby at this. I'm still new. I'm like, you know, thinking that this is so taboo to do. We get in this car, we get in the taxi, we're driving. And we met this couple on one of these websites. I I think it was Cassidy. So we knew that they were going to be there because the party was promoted like on that platform. And we arrive and there are so many people there. And again, I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. I guess like we're not crazy. We're not freaks. We go in and it's very overwhelming. And also everyone is like already naked from like the moment (laughs) that we walk in. And maybe this is like the European way. Probably. I love you Italians. Um, But right away, I was sort of like nervous butterflies the whole time. And 
I like very quickly, I used to drink a lot more back then. I'm like, I need something to calm my nerves. So we go to the bar and I realized that we are like standing back to back with the people that we like matched with and that we were going to meet there. But that the the man was not as attractive as his photos. Oh. <laughs> but like, I was just kind of like, do we say hi? Like, I don't even know how to do this yet. I'm like such a noob. I'm like, do they see us? Do they notice us? I'm like at the bar with my drink over my face. And then like, she's very, very attractive. And I could like hear her voice and I'm starting to get like turned on at the thought, like, okay, we have to go talk to them. But then I'm like, I don't want to be rude. What if I'm not into this guy? And like, all of these things are coming up also, which are sort of triggering all those things. Like, what if I'm not into the guy mm-hmm. now? I'm like, fuck, what if you're not into him? Then you're not into him. Then you don't do anything. And it's fine. But back then I was sort of like, but we committed like all of these kind of conversations in my mind and how I was in relationships before we said we were going to meet them. It's, it's so silly for me to go through this story and hear my younger self. Um, but eventually they noticed us. (laughs) So we, we had to meet them and we started chatting with them. And this man was like such a sweet gentleman and was much more attractive, like up close. It was, I think just honestly, his clothes because okay, they were so Italian. Not really attracted to his like, silvery shirt. No, he, he had a, he, there were people with their clothes on. It would have been better if he was naked. Maybe. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, so we start talking, we start drinking and very quickly, like there's not much that goes on there. This is one of those like nightclub-y, the music is loud. Everyone's there to like get drinks and have sex. Like it was not vibey the way things are here and we're kind of spoiled by LA culture, I think, and kind of the openness that happens here. That's a lot more about, or maybe I'm just older and I'm also attracting those things, um, which is part of it because when Posh and I were younger, we were like, sex is so fun with yeah. other people. Let's do it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we very quickly go to like an intimacy room off to the side and- You four? Yes. So- Earlier on, it's like a lot of her and I, and she was beautiful. And she, I remember she had just had a breast augmentation like the week before. So she was also like, this was, was so robotic and kind of funny. It was like, oh, I can't lay this way. I can't do that. Um, which was kind of cool because she also, I think I was very intimidated because everyone else was so sexually free and I'm still figuring it out. Like, what do I like? And also being comfortable. So she was like, I can't have sex. And I was like, great, me either. (laughs) Like, we're not going to do that. But we hooked up and her and I had a lot of kissing and I started kissing her husband. I just started making out with her. And that was a little while. And then we sort of like went back to our partners and started having sex with Pasha. And then she was giving Pasha a blowjob and it was all really hot. Everything was happening. Like he was kissing me. I had a lot of attention. Um, it was like one of the first times I feel like there was a lot of focus on me. Mm. Um, well, because it was also, I think only the second, was it my, it was my second foursome ever. The first one was also amazing. Um, the whole other, that was, oh, maybe I should have told that story. The Burning Man story. I'll tell that another time. Um, but it was overwhelming. I I have to say at that point, I wasn't really comfortable. Like I was just getting there and I was still so young. Like I feel Mm. like, you know, I mean, I was 30 and 
it brought up a lot that I'm still working through of like receiving pleasure. Like I remember in that moment, actually, I mean, this is a juicy story, but I, I, can't help myself, but turn it into like, what was I learning? Um, like, what was I learning in that <laughs> moment? happens when you're a coach. Um, yeah. But I remember like kind of feeling like, oh, but I should be like doing something for them, you know, instead of just like lying there and being like, this is amazing. Um, but it was such a great experience. And like I said, he was such a gentleman and I know Posh had an amazing time and she had so much fun. She was like, the Energizer Bunny Barbie. She was like super cute. Um, bless you, sweet Italian couple, wherever you are. Um, <laughs> and it would, but it was very much like quick and over. I think they finished kind of early and then we were kind of like, oh, is it, we should probably like <laughs> wrap this up because they wanted to like go back out and, and like find, find another couple. <laughs> yes. So that was kind of the funny part. And wow. then Posh and I were kind of like, um, we like did a lap around the club. So we, at this point, we we're only there for like an hour, maybe an hour and a half. And it was very sexy. There was like a lot of sex everywhere and then people dancing. And um, and then that was it. We were kind of like, okay, do we want to go home? <laughs> and <then laughs> we, went, <laughs> we went back to our little cute uh, place we were staying in Venice and um, got in bed. We did a lot of that. There was another party that we went to. It was a Halloween party in Palm Springs. And we ended up not playing with anyone. And this is actually how yeah. I, early on we realized like big parties were not our thing. We did like three of them. I remember Palm Springs, we actually went home, got really great food and had amazing sex with each other and like played cards all night Aww. rather than be at this like sex that we like paid a lot of money and like had a table and it was like a whole thing. And we were like, nah, that's just not our, not our speed. That's what people need to realize, though. Sex parties aren't really about sex. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Like about the physical part of sex. Yeah, it's about the connection, the deepening, the deepening of connection with yourself, with your partner, with people around you. Like different partners can bring out different things of your partnership. Different people can bring out different things in you. It's like that's what it is. It's kind of yeah. almost like a form of self discovery. Yes, I very much prefer a party that has like eight to ten people at it and everyone's having a lot of conversation and maybe there's some sex here and there and like parties that aren't even sex parties that kind of turn into sex parties are the best. Definitely. Yeah. 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 Definitely. And I love what you said before about the receiving like sex when you, especially as a woman, sex when you know, or when you feel worthy of receiving mm -hmm. is very different. Yes. To before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So much has changed as I've been on that journey. Do you know what ever happened to that couple? No, but maybe never saw, <laughs> never saw them again. Never stayed in contact. Do they speak English? No, hardly. <laughs> like, like enough to like. Do you you wanna, go there. Do you wanna... <laughs> this, that'll be the promo for this episode. It's just me going like this. <laughs> I really hope so. I mean, being like, you go there. <laughs> Bend down on the knees. <laughs> How do you even say that in Italian? Do you no, want to have not, sex? No, I'm not, not going to say that in case of my family members. Oh, dear. Okay, cool. So because the topic is all about newness and everything being cool. new and, and all of that, mm -hmm. I have a little question around the difference between, actually, because 
this is something that I've heard from um, someone who's also poly is they said that their partners, everything they could imagine, everything they could mm. wish for and, and more, mm-hmm. like so completely in love. But the one thing they'll never be is new. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and it's obvious, yeah. right? It's obvious. That's the one thing they'll never be. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with that. Right. It's, just a, it's just a fact. It's like a, it's like a fact that sets you free. So what, I guess a question around that is how can you differ, differentiate or like, I don't know if it's differentiate or how, how do you kind of navigate that between like your, your kind of known comforting, like, you know, love that's mm-hmm. kind of there and yeah. like so fulfilling and then like the shiny new toy. Mm-hmm. Wow. I love this question. And the, this question, there's like so much to dive into and unpack. I feel like it should be its own episode. We should, you should come back and we'll do. I will. And we'll do that and yeah. receiving. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Um, so the newness thing, I love it. Like you said, it's a fact and it is so liberating because it's sort of, I feel like there's so much pressure in relationships to be everything for your partner. And I wrote a whole talk on this called your partner's not your superhero which sort of navigates through understanding that, yes, in the beginning, they are going to meet all of your needs because you're kind of living in this like fantasy world of they are everything and it's you're so in love and there's so much infatuation and you have so much chemistry and hormones. And yes, they check all the boxes. Eventually, that stuff does start to wane as well. And it should because it's exhausting for that one person to continue to meet everything. So I just wanted to say that. But to your point of they'll never be new, how do you balance? I think understanding the sheer fact of what newness is, it's a chemical response to someone else's chemistry. Mm -hmm. And that heightened sort of awareness of someone else's chemistry the first two years when it's so hot and you want to have like sex all day, every day, especially the first six months, right? That does fade. (laughs) It's great. It's exhausting. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe a couple UTIs, but that, that also fades and wanes. And so when you're left without that chemistry, you have familiarity, which is beautiful. You have comfort, you have home, which is what you create with your partner. And I think where people get caught up with kind of the shiny new object and the new toy that feels so exciting is thinking that that's also going to last with that person. And it doesn't. The newness eventually wears off with anyone. And to understand the, the beautiful balance between the two, I mean, one of the best things about being, being monogamish or being open and Pasha says this too, is like coming home to your partner because it's created so much more intimacy with he and I. And maybe this sounds bad, but I'm going to be honest. It, it's not like I compare everyone to him, but every other woman or man that I've ever been with has made me appreciate him so much mm. because it con- it constantly reaffirms that he is my person, mm. um, even though those experiences are beautiful. But when I get to come home and then have that duality of like, oh, my familiarity, my home, it's so special. And, but also to be realistic, like there are basic human needs. Number one is consistency. And number two is variety. So to give yourself the freedom to know that you need both and 
you people really can't survive without, you know, it's like we need consistency, variety. Um, we need community. We need to give back. We need growth. Um, wow. What's the sixth one? I always forget. Which one? What um, are you talking about? Maslow's hierarchy yeah. needs? Uh, like basic needs, like mm-hmm. water, shelter. Yeah. Stuff like which that. Which is like, which is security. Yeah. Oh, security. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, well, I don't know what the Whatever. sixth is, but <laughs> it's like understanding that, you know, you're always going to need both. And some people tend to lean one or the other. Like some people need a lot of variety and a lot less safety and security. And then some people need a lot more security. But I think that it's understanding that you're a whole complete person mm. when you are feeling like, oh, shiny object. Like I really, really like this thing. Um, eventually that's going to wear off because you'll go too far on that side and then you'll swing back and you'll need your security. I love that. Mm-hmm. I really does love that, that. Yeah. Does that answer your question? That does answer my question. Yeah. Just a kind of, I guess it's bringing in more awareness, mm-hmm. feeling grounded. I'm getting a sense of like feeling grounded, awareness, like understanding, right? Because I think what happens is sometimes can, people can get lost in the shiny new object. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like that whole, I know it's such a cliche and excuse the massive cliche, but like that whole kind of story of like the... <laughs> 50-year-old man that leaves his wife or a 25-year-old, yeah. like, Barbie doll. Mm-hmm. And then after three years, he wants to go back to his wife right. that raised his children. And it's this, Absolutely. They got lost in the shiny new toy mm-hmm. and not in the kind of groundedness of, like, this is so... F-. And and also going into the thing of he wasn't allowed to even play with the shiny new toy. Right. Or they weren't Which makes it way more attractive. Oh, you want it more. 100%. Mm-hmm. That's why they want to come back in three years and not... A month. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but like, that's the thing. It's like, it's that, that's the issue, right? It's mm-hmm. that kind of, um, yeah, that thing of getting lost into it, not feeling grounded, not being aware of understanding yeah. that that is shiny and new. And that's going to also then get old. Yeah. So it's nice to actually get old with the person that you're really is your, like you said, your person. Yes. And I mean, the beauty of being open is you get to go out and have newness energy and then come back to your partner and have that, like your partner is new when you've had a new experience, especially women. This is a whole other episode, but I think we'll leave on this note. When, especially women, the way that we are turned on and when we have a new experience, it actually resets the familial energy that we start to create with our main partner. So with Pasha being, you know, my main partner, obviously, whenever it becomes really familial, we're living in the same house. Mm -hmm. We've been together Mm -hmm. for nine years. It's like, you know, sometimes you're roommates and you get Mm -hmm. that energy that's so close. When I go and have an experience, whether it's with a man or a woman, it resets that. And when I come home to him, he's brand new. I think Mm -hmm. that's like something that I, I try to tell people all the time. That's like the big beauty of being open and having new experiences. Your partner is fresh to you when you come back. And that's like, oh, the best. Fresh like these roses. Yeah, like these pretty flowers. Oh my God. beautiful. What a beautiful way to end. Thank you. It's been so fun to have you on. We could do this for an hour and a half. Yeah, yeah, I know. I I feel like we scratched the surface. (laughs) Seriously. I will be back. Okay, thank you. Thank you. I'm so glad. I love you. I love you so much. That's a wrap, you guys. And it was so much fun. Please don't forget to leave us a review on Apple. Tell us what you loved about the show and make sure you're following open late the podcast on Instagram.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.